Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to begin reading in uh, verse 15, and we'll read responsively through the end of the chapter, verse 23. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. And shall we stand please for the reading of God's Word. Ephesians chapter 1. And verse 15, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling, and what the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of His power to usward who believe, according to the working of His mighty power, which He wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead, and set Him at His own right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all principality and power, and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And it's put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. If you look back at verse 18, this is the text and the title, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Uh, I hope you listen. I hope I can do this justice. I know I will not. I will try. Uh, I think this is very, very interesting. All right, let's pray. Father, we pray that you bless the message. Uh, we put no confidence in the flesh, and we realize without thee uh, we'll be powerless and can do nothing. Uh, we yield your spirit that he would uh, use the vessel to just preach the word as a voice crying in the wilderness, that we could gain insight into how to gain insight, that our eyes could be opened and enlightened with the spirit of wisdom and revelation. We pray that you'd give us a good hearing and an understanding for thy glory. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. If you uh, love knowledge, if you're a knowledge seeker, I'd ask that you listen very carefully. If you're not a knowledge seeker, you really listen, need to listen uh, very carefully. Uh, so if you love a good conspiracy theory, which I do, I'm always looking for one. Uh, I think you'll really find this interesting, uh, so please pay careful attention. Uh, the Apostle Paul knew that even after someone was saved, they needed an, a work in their life of the spirit of wisdom and revelation, Amen. and they needed their eyes of enlightenment opened. So yes, you're saved, you're born again, you have the hope of eternal life, you have eternal security. But after that happens, there has to be a work of God in your life. And why is it that some Christians get it and some don't? Why is it that some are very still spiritually blinded and others think about the deep things of God 
That is the question. So we have this necessary intercession by Paul. He prayed for the church that these things would happen for them. We should pray for one another this same prayer, uh, though not in vain repetition, but praying uh, through the principles. So he prayed for them. He gave thanks for them that they would have this spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him that the eyes of their understanding uh, being enlightened. So there's only one way to know, he says, the hope of the calling of the riches, which is the exceeding greatness of his power. You'll never know this unless your eyes of your understanding become enlightened. And you have to have this spirit of wisdom and revelation. Sad to say, most church members know nothing of what I'm talking about. They'll never get it. They'll never understand it. That all power has been given to him. He's set up at the right hand of the Father above all the principalities and the power of might, the dominions, all these spiritual powers and entities. So, once again, I ask you, why is it that some Christians are enlightened, others are not? They all have the Holy Spirit indwelling. They've all been regenerated by the work of God, born again, brought back to life, their spirit, so that He can uh, communicate with God. They all have a complete written copy of the Word of God at their availability, the King James, the Word of God. And they all have spiritual gifts which are bestowed to individual members of the body for the edification of uh, the, the body. So what's the reason? Well, some people can see, some people cannot see. Some people have true enlightenment. Some people, for some reason, there's some uh, spiritual, almost cataracts on their eyes. They just can't see as they should. So seeing is knowing, and knowing is freedom. Blindness is ignorance, and ignorance is bondage. The average church member can't see past his nose. I mean, there's, there's just for some reason no awareness of what God's doing in the mighty work uh, in the kingdom and this mystery of godliness in the church age in the kingdom of God. So there are three levels of awareness by seeing that I want you know, to take note of. Three awareness, these levels by seeing. First, your consciousness, that means when you're awake. So hopefully you're awake right now, you're aware of some things. You see, you can smell, you can taste, you can hear. You are knowing, consciousness means to know. So there's things you know. This is what happens in the daytime um, and you can learn, you can listen, you can study, you can meditate, you can memorize. You can lock these things in your memory bank and they can become a part of who you are and what you are. So that's the consciousness. And the subconsciousness, number two, that's in the nighttime when you go to sleep. So when you go to sleep, you're not aware of the awake consciousness, 
But there's a consciousness while you're asleep. Some people, if you know what a lucid dream is, you're dreaming, you know it's a dream. But there's a, an awareness uh, in this, the dream state that is composed of what you developed in the awake state. So a lot of people, that's, they live in this realm or the other, and it's not very good awareness. But then number three, the true self. So your true self, though, that's who you really are. Who you are is not really what you are while you're awake or what you are while you're asleep. It's the nature and the character of who you are. So you're either a goat, lost, a follower of Satan, a child of wickedness, or, and Jesus said, the lust of your father you will do, or you're a saint of God, all things have become new. Your life is hid with God in Christ. And Christ in you, the hope of glory, that's who you really are in the true self. And it's not really based upon the awake or the asleep consciousness, but the awake and the sleep consciousness affects, and, and these things affect one another. So in the Christ-like state, where the grace of God is sufficient, where old things have passed away. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Behold, all things have become new. Then why is it that Christians have this potential to see, to know, to be free, to know the truth, and it shall make you free? Why are they still asleep? Uh, they're almost like zombies walking around. They cannot see. So there are four states of existence for a man created in the image of God. I'll just go over these, uh, touch on them. Number one, the dead. They're dead. Uh, Ephesians 2 says you were dead in sins and trespasses. Uh, the Bible talks about the silly woman who lives for pleasure is dead while she liveth. Why? Because her, the spirit is not born again, brought back to life. So the body's alive, but they are dead, and death is a quality of life. It's not the cessation of life, it's a quality of life. So you have those who are dead. Then you have those who are asleep. Um, so those who are asleep are Christians, but they haven't awakened yet. They're saved, but they're asleep. It's a state of being, a state of existence. You know, some people here, sad to say, are asleep, and you're sleepwalking. You don't even know you're sleepwalking. Your eyes aren't even open. So you have the dead who are lost, you have the Christians who are asleep. They're saved, but their eyes have not been enlightened. Or Paul wouldn't pray this. We need to pray this for one another and all of us that we get the spirit of wisdom and revelation and our eyes would be open enlightenment. So then you have number three, those who are awake. And I can show you verses for all these. They have turned the lights on, so to speak, so they're, they're not asleep saved, they're awake and they're saved. 
The lights have been turned on. They're beginning to understand something. They're beginning to see what's happening in the spiritual warfare. They're beginning to understand the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, the world, the devil. We fight on these battlefronts. They're starting to understand deep truths. But the fourth group is what we're talking about this morning. We're trying to rise up to this level of those who are enlightened. So some Christians are asleep. Wake up, by the way. Set the alarm clock. At least wake up every once in a while. The second group are those who are, you'd think it, we're all dead in here. Um, um, but they're asleep. The third group, they're awake, but they haven't turned the light on yet. The fourth group is enlightened by a mighty, powerful work of God, but it also contains some personal responsibility. There's some things you have to do in your life for this to happen, but it's a miraculous work of God if this is going to happen. So usually, follow me, in the Old Testament and with the body, the doctrine of awakening pertains to a resurrection. So the Bible likens those who are dead, they're asleep, those who have gone on. Daniel 12, 2 says, And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting content. So it usually pertains to a bodily resurrection and then on to the judgment so there is always a resurrection bodily that pertains to facing God at the judgment. In Job 33.30, it says he would bring back his soul from the pit to be enlightened. To be enlightened. So you can't see if the lights aren't on. Brother James mentioned that this morning. The reservations are, pertain to some type of mist of a darkness. But in the New Testament... Those who are born again and saved, we have a responsibility to awaken spiritually. To awaken and then after you've been awakened spiritually, to be enlightened spiritually. So Romans 13, 11, and that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. He's talking to saved people. He says, save people, wake up. Don't, my mom, she'd come in every day. You know how lazy teenagers, the little kids, she'd pull the curtains, turn on the bright lights, and, and with her Oklahoma twang, don't sleep your life away, get up. Don't waste your life, get up. Uh, the bright light helps you get up. 1 Corinthians 15, 34, awake to righteousness and sin not. He's talking to Christians. For some have not the knowledge of God, I speak this to your shame. Ephesians 5, 14, wherefore he saith, awake thou that sleepest and rise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. So if you're saved, you have a responsibility to wake up. After you wake up, you have to turn the lights on. Have, have you ever, uh, like, we live on a ranch, the power goes out, I'll text my brother, you know, I want to make sure it's a main power grid, not just our transformer blue or something like that. 
I'll text them, is your power on? And sometimes we'll say, I'm sitting in the dark. You know what I'm talking about. Now, you know, so you can light a candle. You have different technologies for LED light and things like that. But many times we're sitting in the dark. Now, somebody who's sitting in the dark, they're not laying in the bed. They're sitting up on their bed or they're sitting in a chair, but they're still in the dark. They're awake, but your consciousness is limited to the darkness, not what you can see. So the word awake uh, means to collect one's faculties. You begin to collect, oh yeah, I am a person. Oh yeah, this is what I am. A, this is life. You know, some people... They wake up, they don't know who they are, what they are, if they are, where they are. You collect your faculties, you, and it means rouse up and get up to awake. So you have those who are asleep, those who are awake, where the, um, but the lights aren't on, they're still in the dark. And then you have those who are truly enlightened, who are awake, but the light's on. And they can see what other people cannot see. They know what other Christians are still in the dark. So the Bible says we have the mind of Christ. Follow me. The mind of Christ. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So this is not just a way to think like Christ. Remember, Christianity is not acting. We're not trying to copy God and act like Christ. It's literally... Christ in you, let his mind be in you. How's that going to happen? You have to be enlightened. Not just awake. You have to be enlightened. And this is why the average Christian thinks just like a liberal or a lost person out in the world, they cannot see what's going on. They're in the dark. So, if you think about it in, in science, in consciousness, they have the lower self, the higher self, you know, that, all that, the reptilian mind, which is the selfish mind of pride and ego, all based on the senses. That's your consciousness. We put blame on other people. We get angry or we're afraid. And then we're in this uh, survival mode, the autonomic nervous system to survive. And then some people try to rise up to what's called the neocortex to where you release all self-interest. It's no longer about anger or pride or fear or lust to just become ever present of realities. Quit living for just you and become aware of ever present realities. Amen. Rise up. Amen. Quit sitting in the dark. Now, we realize you read God's Word, you hide the Word in your heart, you yield to the Holy Spirit, God will do the work. You will live the power of the resurrected life. Romans 8 says the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead would quicken our mortal bodies. Now, our goal is to be enlightened. That word means co-perception with God. Union. To know what God knows by seeing what God sees through a work that God did called enlightenment. Now, 2 Samuel 14, 
Jonathan, when, remember when Saul said, if you eat, you'll be put to death. Remember when he's trying to kill David. And Jonathan dipped the rod, his rod in honeycomb. When he tasted it, what happened? His eyes were in line. Something happened to him because our soul is connected to our digestive system and the senses and the sweetness in life. You've seen somebody, their eyes just fire up. You can, and they say the eyes are the, uh, the mirror of the soul or the gateway into the soul. Psalm 18.28 says, For thou wilt light my candle, the Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. You're never going to turn the light on if you don't admit you're in the dark. You know what's sad? Some people are sitting in the dark or sleeping in a bed and they, they don't even know it. They're not even aware of it. You know, and I always say this, you know, all they care about is the next quarter pounder with cheese. That They can't see further than that. The next word, it means glitter to illuminate and to shine. Not just a shining, a glittering shine. And you know what the Bible says, when God's going to show up, he whets his glittering sword. When he begins to sharpen that two-edged sword of judgment and wrath, it glitters, and you can see things that other people cannot. So, spiritually, God's going to do all the work. This is a just as big of a miracle as getting born again. God brings your spirit back to life. But... We have an individual personal accountability and responsibility because of a physical transmutation, if you will, because you have to get the information to look with your physical eyes, right? Face around, to think with your physical brain, to use your free will and discipline and repetition to memorize and meditate, to lock it in your memory bank. And even though the mind is spirit, according to the Word of God, there is physical aspects to this. If you can't get your body out of bed to sit up and stand up and put your clothes on, turn the lights on and open the book and start praying, nothing's going to happen. So you have personal, physical accountability and responsibility, but God's still going to do all the work. Now, what I want to talk about is this attack on excellence that's going on in America, and this has gone on for decades since the Cold War and the Communist Manifesto with the sissification of America and the dumbing down of America. And why is it, and I know this is all about rebellion and hardness against God. Why does the Bible talk about a stiff neck? It's more than just you won't bow the knee and humble before God. Why does the Bible talk about a hard heart that's not soft and humble and receptive to God? And why does the Bible talk about a whore's forehead? Which Jeremiah said that people were so wicked they were like a street-walking prostitute who has no shame, no embarrassment, no disgrace. Their, head is, their forehead's hardened. That's the big one we're talking about. Their neck is stiff, and their heart is hard. Hard. So, this is all an attack. Now, I believe this. You don't have to believe it. 
you can say it's a conspiracy theory or not. If you've ever read the Communist Manifesto, and a communist spy who turned this week came out and said, all of this is going on in Europe is a result of the communists working in American universities through the professors, teaching communism, perverting the young minds of the people with, uh, they call it American Marxism, who was a wicked uh, G German Jew to change the way people think. This is an attack on the endocrine system. So let me explain this to you. Hopefully you'll find it interesting because I really do. The endocrine system is a collection of glands in the body that secrete hormones, chemical signals that regulate the function of numerous cells and organs of the body. It sends out a, an impulse of a vibration and this has to function properly for your organs to function properly, for your cells to regenerate properly and not attack like a cancer cell. Now, I could say many things, but specifically we're going to talk about fluoride. Fluoride has been proven to be an endocrine disruptor. And there's a lot of conspiracy theories. Is it government mind control? Is it an attack on the, by the communists? Have you ever studied Armand Hammer? You know who he was? Armand Hammer. He was a German genius. Look up Armand Hammer. Uh, but anyway, just that's later on, not now. Um, so, Fluoride was put in our water since we were kids. It's a poison. Now, I realize it's one part per million on, still a poison. And it's put in our toothpaste. And it's promoted by the government, city, municipal water systems. They say 70% of Americans drink fluoride water. And Almost everybody uses fluoride toothpaste. Now I realize um, external on your teeth, if you don't swallow, it's not near as bad as drinking it. But just follow me. The thyroid gland produces the hormone, and I can't pronounce all this, triodothorinine and thyrosine, which are required by the metabolically active cells of the body. You have to have your thyroid to have a good metabolism and it regulates how you digest your food and burn energy and store energy. So when the thyroid produces too much or too little, these hormones, uh, a myriad number of health problems, and you could have hypo or hyperthyroidism and got gorders and all these things uh, begin to develop, but fluoride exacerbates the problem with Iodine deficiency. Now, how many Americans have this problem? They know it causes this problem. They keep prescribing you this problem, and they want you to just drink as much of it as you can. You tell me, I'm just asking you as a free thinker, think it over. Why, since we were little kids, they put that stuff in there. The pancreas. The pancreas is the gland that produces insulin. A hormone that regulates the uptake of glucose from the bloodstream and chronic elevation of blood glucose levels as the hallmark of, uh, hallmark of what? Type 2 diabetes. 
Did you hear me? Type 2 diabetes could be caused by a toxin of too much fluoride since you're a little kid that they put in your drinking water. I'm just asking. The pineal gland, which some of you need to wake this one up. I hope you listen to this. It's located between the two hemispheres of the brain and produces the hormone melatonin. Now, we're giving melatonin to help you sleep. But melatonin is a hormone that, that makes the sleep-awake cycle. It causes you to turn from being awake to going to sleep. And so when people can't do this, they go insane and they call them bipolar. Because these, uh, and they're not, I, I've never understood that because they're single polar because they can't handle one thing so they always get excited or they always go the other extreme. But there's no balance. So the fluoride levels recorded in the pineal gland and the highest fluoride concentrations found anywhere in the body. So what I'm getting at, the fluoride makes an incrustation and calcifies your pineal gland, which is shaped like a pine cone. It's, it's like a pine, uh, pine cone, pineal gland. And this is where you learn and receive information. So if your pineal gland is encrusted, one of the main reasons because of fluoride toxicity, you will not know what you would have known. You will never have the IQ level you would have had. You will never understand knowledge and grow on to the highest awareness in your education, knowledge, ability to focus Assimilate information, retain information, recall information to be a great person. Why? Because the, the, the fluoride calcifies your pineal gland. And, and I know what you know, what are you talking about? Look it up, study it. Then you have the parathyroid gland, which is connected to the, the uh, thyroid, but it produces a hormone, PTH, which regulates the amount of calcium in our bones and blood supply. I mean, just look at all this, how you have weak blood, cancer, the ability to digest your food. This all affects your immunity. Have you ever thought about when we were kids, people didn't have allergies? I mean, I'll be honest, we were full of pride. If a little kid had allergies and he had one of those inhalers and has asthma, everybody would make fun of him. Yeah, that kid's a weakling. Now, allergies are one of the biggest, biggest money makers. And, and if you study like urologists and the, the, the kidney stones and uh, gallbladder stones and all this stuff going on out there, what is the theory? Is it government mind control? Because this one, they started it. Is it a communist plot? Is it the medical industry doing it on purpose to make diseases so they can get filthy rich and rich and richer? A yay to all. Uh, look it up. Now, here's some side effects. So fluoride is found naturally in soil, water, and foods. It's natural. 
but it's a form of a, a chemical element, fluorine. It is used as medicine, but in a large dose, it's a literal toxic and it's poison. So it's used to prevent cavities, treat tooth plaque, mild gum disease, gingivitis, and weak brittle bones, osteoporosis. Now, this is all proven in laboratory studies. It causes arthritis, gout, brain effects in the IQ, cancer, gastrointestinal problems, hypersensitivity and uh, anxiety, stress, kidney disease, cardiovascular disease, diabetes, thyroid diseases, endocrine disruption, male fertility, and it, it calcifies or encrusts the pineal gland. So, God's going to enlighten. Okay. How's, I know it's all a work of God. I know you have the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. But why is it that your average person can't make himself sit at a table and, and names the name of Christ? And he reads the Bible and he says, I just don't understand that. We need a new, easier version to read. Let's just pervert it again and Bible correct again. What's the famous uh, ESV or whatever right now, real powerful fake Bible that's going on out there. Now, if you want knowledge, you're going to have to get in the Word, yield to the Holy Spirit, but you have to realize, yes, the Holy Spirit is the, the Spirit of man is the candle of the Lord searching inward parts of the belly. The psalmist said, the Lord is my candle that will enlighten me and turn it on. And God can overcome all obstacles. I know that. But, we have a responsibility to decalcify our pineal gland and understand all these things that are going on in the endocrine system. Look at all the problems that are going on in American society and worldwide because of this, and they're still pumping it into everybody. What's the reason? That's why they say never swallow your toothpaste. Did you know it's been proven when they put somebody in a concentration camp, and the Nazis did this to dumb down, you know what they injected them with? Fluoride. Fluoride, it, it robs you of free will. It, it makes you a subject. It brings you down. You're not a free thinker. You lose your ambition. You lose your initiative. You become bondage. Why? Because you can't receive the light because light is knowledge what does it say in psalm 104 god is light therefore he clothes himself with light and god said let there be light and it shined so we have this attack on excellence you know i'm telling you the truth they don't you know uh somebody told me this yesterday they called up and it said uh uh for spanish press one or two one Look, if you, if you migrate to a company or country, you're supposed to learn the language. I know that's hard for some people. You know, if I, if I went to China, I would think I have to learn Chinese. They're not going to give me press one for English. 
But America dumbs them down on purpose as a plan. They don't want free thinkers. They don't want people adding it up and seeing what's going on. They don't want people to have an awareness. It's going on before our very eyes. When I was a kid, if you didn't make the team, you didn't make the team. If you're on basketball, they'd say, I'm sorry, son, you try hard, you're just not tall enough, you're off the team. Or if you're in football, they'd say, you just don't weigh enough, you don't have what it takes, try again next year. And if you, you got first through third, and even third place was pretty embarrassing. You know, because I grew up, if you didn't win first and then make all, MVP, you failed. That's the way I, I was raised. If I didn't get the MVP trophy and went first, you, who cares who came in second? Now they give them a ninth place ribbon. When I was a kid, you know, if we won, my dad would take us to Kip's Big Boy. You ever heard of that? In Dallas, you had the boy holding a hammer. And it was a big celebration. We won. Um, you deserve it. And if, if you even thought of coming in fourth place, there's no way you're going to Dairy Queen. You are a loser. A loser. But now what happens? Well, we got to let everybody on the team play. We have to be fair. No, that's dumbing them down. That's the spirit of excellence is no more. But the reality is, Daniel had a more excellent spirit than everybody else. You're supposed to be the best you can be, not to be better than anybody, but why are there awards to losers? My wife doesn't like me calling people that, but you're either a winner or you're a loser. That's the reality. And then the sissification of America. You know, if you can't make an A, B, or C, and uh, you know, a D or an F, well, we'll just lower the standard because you didn't have the discipline to get out of bed and come to class and pay attention and take notes and do your homework. And you didn't have the discipline because you are lazy and you're a loafer and your, your uh, pineal gland is encrusted over. You couldn't understand anything if you wanted to. You know, we all say the same. When I was a kid, we'd drink from the rotten rubber hose that fluoride water. <laughs> we we're drinking. Uh, man, watch out. You, people go, watch out for chlorine too. It's all chlorinated. Just start looking it over what they're doing. Um, in the sports world, world, fear is okay. They pamper little kids. You know, when I was a kid, your goal was to make a man out of them. I'm going to make a man out of this boy. Now it's like little, little wimpy sissies. They go out of their way to do this. Now, we have a responsibility to do this. I'm not going to go into it. I was taught in China how to decalcify it. It's very, very important. Uh, and it's, uh, but you have to make it a priority. So think about this. How many health care dollars are made because of fluoride poisoning in the pineal gland? All these. How many insurance dollars are made? How many dollars are spent in research for all of these physical problems because of this? Why do they want you to have a lower IQ? 
And this all goes with, I know it's spiritual, but we're in the last of the last days. Why is the church going apostate? Because their eyes aren't enlightened and, and they're shut. They got a horse forehead, can't get in. They got a hard heart and a stiff neck. There's no pliableness whatsoever between the vertebrae of their spine. It's compacted just like that. There's no energy that can get through. Where are the Bereans? Like it says in Acts 17, who searched the Scriptures daily to see if those things were so. Now, I have a lot more to say. I don't think I ought to say it. We're out of time. Is this a conspiracy? You decide for yourself. I know this. Paul had to pray. Paul had to pray for the, the church, say people, to have the spirit of wisdom and revelation that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened. And you have people who are dead, they're lost in sin. You have the Christians who are still asleep. You have other Christians who woke up, but they didn't turn the lights on. They're sitting in the dark. And then you have others who seek knowledge. The Spirit searcheth the things of God, yea, the deep things of God. He will enlighten you if you hide the Word in your heart. You yield to the Holy Spirit. Job said He will bring your soul from the pit to the enlightenment, the glittering light but what did Jesus say? Men love darkness because their deeds were evil. Neither will they come into the light lest their deeds should be reproved. And so you have a responsibility. And I'm not saying, you know, you can take this any way you want to. But if you want to know knowledge, you're not going to know much with your pineal gland encrusted. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Uh, look into it. Think about it. I hope it causes you to... to uh, study but the great thing is praise the lord i'll read it again that the god of our lord jesus christ the father of glory may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us word who believe. And it says, when he wrought Christ from the dead and set him above all the principalities and powers. I'm asking this morning, are you dead? Are you asleep? Are you awake? Are you enlightened? Let's pray. Every head's bowed, every eye's closed. I want you to think about what it was said as it applies to your life.